Hello and welcome to another Record Celtic podcast. I, I <laughs> forgot my name there. My name is Daniel Kaw and I'm delighted to, the, to be joined by Record Sports Michael Gannon and Graham Young. What a, already, we're 30 seconds in guys and I've already made an arse myself, so that's a good start. That's a great start, forgetting your own name. It's, uh, <laughs> we've, all, we've all been there, usually one o'clock in the morning right enough. <laughs> by, even by my standards, that's impressive. Graham, how's things? Very well. Um, enjoyed the game last night and it's been a cracking weekend, I will to be fair, but I think there's a lot of people with horse racing in their mind now as well, so uh, it's a very exciting few days of sport, so what's not to enjoy? Aye, absolutely. Um, I think obviously Tannadice is the best place to start this week's pod. Um, another big win for Celtic and, and Mick. I think it's now 30 domestic games unbeaten for Celtic, which is, you know, when they last lost, I think it was away at Livingston earlier in the season, you would never have seen a run like that coming. No, I mean, think think back to the kind of um, losing three of the road six games and thinking something's going to be really up against it here to be part of that title race. To go 30 games unbeaten, it's no mean feat, by the way. I mean, it's um, it's it's been a, a kind of roller coaster ride at times. I mean, there's some, some great performances, some kind of iffy ones, some grinding out results. Um, it's taking the whole mixed bag, that's what's required to get to this kind of stage. And uh, yeah, 30, 30 games unbeaten is a, is a serious run, and it's put them right into the frame. Um, for all the honours, I mean, they've already won the, the Premier Sports Cup, the top of the league, and the last four of the Scottish Cups. So, with eight games to go in the league, and another two games potentially in the cup. Are banging the frame, and now people are talking to us about this. Uh, this word, the, the, the treble, which was unthinkable back in August and September, wasn't it? I mean, nobody even even dreamed that that'd be a possibility. But now it's uh, it's firmly game on. Although there is a long way to go, obviously, still. And I, I know that um, obviously Celtic going into last night's game, Graham would have been, you know, strong favourites to win it today. But I think it's made even more impressive by the fact that they were missing the top four scorers. So Kyogo, Abada. Uh, Jota and Turnbull, all still missing, and it was just you know it was a routine victory for Celtic. Yeah, um, I thought they were excellent. Uh, I felt the, the two the last two games are really similar. The one in Dundee United, it's not quite the free phone stuff that was um, on display against Rangers and other kind of comprehensive wins, but there was a tempo and a pace away at Livingston last night. It was much more akin to the way they were playing um, when things were. Earlier on the season, really, is like that. That kind of turn when Kyogo and Jota really get going together. I think they've found that, and that's, I think, the beauty of Postecoglou's system or the, the real benefit of it that if there is a very set way of playing, then it's normally manageable for players to come in and make a difference. And you noticed that last night. Maeda, I think, rightfully, has got some mild criticism in terms of his hold up plate times hasn't looked perfect, but his work rate's phenomenal. Um, I thought he was really good at Livingston last week and I thought he was good again last night. He wasn't perfect, but the way he's, those dart runs into the left, the chasing back, a couple of times he was unlucky with his final ball. I just think and Mick summed it up perfectly there. The type of, there's different types of wins en route to a title success, potential title success, where you'll play well, you'll grind some out, and then there's ones like last night where it wasn't pretty, pretty football, but it was very effective football. And um, I think you've maybe the case that Jackie Maddox was. Uh, helps in that circumstance, but I thought Celtic were good, and uh, that's two massive wins as well. They're away again. These games are—you don't want to say take care of themselves. That's maybe the ultimate football cliche, but they are primed and ready. Most games come with about a time to get ready for it as well. So um, you would be amazed if they don't go all the way or very close to here. And 
Mick, as, as Graham says there, uh, Jackie Marcus was, is one player that we should um, maybe give a bit of praise to. I mean, nine goals now for Celtic. And I think every single one of them has been a first-touch finish inside the box, which is... Uh, that must be a first for a Celtic striker. I can't recall anyone else with a similar record. Well, it shows his, his real strength, um, really. And eight of those goals have came since the turn of the year. Mm-hmm. So he's a, as a guy in form, having had a bit of a kind of bumpy start to his life at Celtic. Um, I must admit, I, I quite like him. I mean, he's a bit kind of clumsy at times, and the ball doesn't always stick to him. But I can see what he brings to a team. He's a real focal point. He's a, he's a nuisance for defenders. He's, he's physical. And it comes to life in the box. I mean, mm-hmm. his goals last night weren't particularly spectacular. I'm not going to see him on any showreel anytime soon. Um, they're looking about for the Puskas award there like that, but they're, they're, they're predatory, they're poachers goals and that's that's sometimes you need, I mean, the ball dropped, even the, the second goal uh, alright, Benny Seagrass has made a complete clanger and dropped it, but he's on it in a flash to get to stick at the back of the net and likewise, he's, the, the third goal, he's just getting away and being a nuisance and getting a touch on it um, he's a real kind of, kind of throwback centre forward I think just mm-hmm. awkward to play against, but he, he knows where the net is. Um, I think I, I think something to play better with him as the main man up front. Um, you touched on uh, Mieda. I, I think he was good last night. I thought he was excellent, actually. Um, I kind of made him a man of the match. Albeit, there should have been a kind of caveat. I think Carl McGregor was the man, was best man in the park by a mile. But, but Carl McGregor's at a high bar every week. And I think I think the performance of Mieda was very, very selfless and selfish. He done. I mean, I think he touched on it. The run, the run he did. I mean, chasing down lost causes. I mean, it's like a four AM gambler. <laughs> Unbelievable the times he's chasing down, and it, and it and it created panic at the back for United. They couldn't get out, and the amount of times he turned over possession just behind. At one point, he, he ran in behind, and it kind of get blocked, and he chased back forty yards, and they won, he won a throw in the half wheel line, and he actually he actually knackered looking at him. He thought, my God, just non-stop. It's like you're a sale bunny. Um, I think that rubs off the teammates around him. I think, I mean, for all, he's, he's, he's not the, the funniest article. Like you say, he's not as slick as a Kyogo. Um, maybe not as quite as, as um, precise with his final ball as a, as a Jota. But I think what he brings to the team is a, is a incredible energy and work rate and desire. And I think it rubs it off on others as well. So another mm-hmm. thing, he was, I thought he was impressive last night. Uh, Graham, if we look at um, Celtic squad when fully fit, you would still, I imagine, pick Kyogo as the starting striker. Or would you? I mean, Jack Amakis definitely gives Celtic another option. hundred oh, like, percent. Jack Amakis, I'm a big fan as well. You, you can hear Chris Sutton as well, who um, is pretty much a, a pretty good judge of character of what it takes to be a Celtic striker. And he's always had a soft spot for him. You can see why. Everything that Mick alluded to there, the fact that he's got a bit of the hold-up play. Again, it's not always pretty, but, but that is fundamentally what you need in terms of striker and in the right positions. But back to your original point, as good as Jackie Marcus has been, Kyogo's just talismanic. Like the ability that cup final summed it up perfectly. Celtic weren't unbelievable in the Premier Sports Cup final. Um but I think it was his ability to like magic moments. That's what the truly great players have at that level. And Kyogo is that. And I think the game as well actually touched on a couple of times the build up to last night's game with Celtic at Tanadise that started December. They're probably never better this season, three 0 and they were just rampant from the first minute. And uh, Kyogo was, I don't think he scored that day, but he was just everywhere. Just clever runs. And I think that's the one thing that Maeda brings pace, determination, closing down. Jackie Marcus brings a bit of brutality um, and ability to score goals. But Kyogo brings a little bit of everything plus that 
those little half-yard runs. And the one player more than anyone who's not played with yet, uh, Matt O'Reilly, a lot of his passes are these slide drill passes. And uh, I think that might be a kind of match made and have much the way Rogic was as well. But I think Hugo's the, the number one striker. But look at it as well. As much as a few weeks ago it was all, Hugo won't bounce this evening. It looks like he will be back relatively soon. It's, it's 10 games left maximum. So Jack and Mark is my aid. I've got his massive roles to play. And Celtic fans hopefully um, will want Hugo to be back in as well soon. And I think that could be the case as well, maybe after the international break. So uh, I think they're all going to their role to play. Um, but I think Hugo's still the kind of standout player at the top of the pitch. Do either of you see any any way that um, Celtic could line up with both? Kyogo and Giacomac is starting, or is it definitely one or the other? Uh, no, I can see them both getting used. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, well, you see you see Meda getting used uh, out wide or through the middle, and Kyogo is similar. He can play both. Um, I think he played it wide mostly during his time in Japan. He's been so effective through the middle for Celtic. But I, I think the good thing for them is that they, they've got these options and they can chop and change, even within games. And I think when they're all fit, um, listen, we know the way that Ange Postacoglu plays. His front men are going to need to put in a shift. It's not easy for them. It's not It's not like an old-fashioned kind of um, a centre-forward lingering about up, up top waiting for the scraps. He, he, they don't get away with it in this team. They have to put in a heck of a shift. Um, so it, it, you often see the case that they need to be um, changed after an hour or so um, or given a rest some, some weeks. So I think once once they're all back fit, it's just the different options, different games um, for different players as well. Um, it gives the manager a bit of um, a bit of flexibility that he can he can tweak it depending on the the challenge they face um, at home and perhaps next year in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it just gives them plenty of options. I say I like, I like Jackie Marcus Kyogo. We've kind of I'm not even forgotten about him a wee bit, but it's been a long time since we, um, he's played. And Celtic have been pretty relentless since he's, he's gone at the team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time of the year that they've been marching on and getting results without him. So if if they can get him back at some point post-split for two or three games and then potentially if they can get into the cup final, I think that would be, be seen as a major boost. Whether it happens or not, I, I don't know. It's been a long time and he's had a really bad injury. Um, it's going to be touch and go, I think. Um, I think at this stage, it would be, be seen as a, as a major boost if they can get him back at any stage for the remainder of the game. So it's going to go right to the wire, isn't it, in the league? Mm-hmm. So even if it's the last couple of games, I mean, what, what, a, what a tonic that would be to have him uh, available uh, for for them, um, but no guarantees, unfortunately. But in the meantime, Jackie Marcus, Maida, and these guys are doing are doing pretty well. Um, but I keep saying this: this but eight league games, potentially two cup games. It's 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 proper business time now, and it's need to hope they avoid injuries and hope they can keep this form going because it's um, now it's um, now it really matters. Graham, I was a little bit surprised, and and well, pleasantly surprised to see Karamoko Dembele get a run out for the last 15 minutes last night. Um, I think he's out of contract is at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, without, you know, there seems to be no sign of a new deal coming. Do you think he's there's any chance that he'll still be at Celtic next season? Potentially. I think the, the landscape's changed for Karamoko Dembele over the last couple of years in terms of his market and where he is. Um, I think the interesting thing, not the two things are Translate link, but before the match, um, Ange Postigoglu uh, spoke about Ben Doak and mm-hmm. indirect about players that want to be here and so forth. So you'd imagine that a player like Dembele getting minutes would fit into the category of a player that would want to be there. And I remember a couple of years ago, kind of caused a bit of consternation at the time when Jackie McNamara 
um, said that clubs such as Chelsea Man United were watching him when he was a 16, 15 year old and they'd been maybe during their scouting trips had found that he maybe didn't have much a turn of pace and I think those comments kind of raised a few eyebrows at the time but you do see that with his game. He's a very technical player. Um, he's maybe not a lightning quick turn of pace style player uh, but he does things well but at his age as well for him, he's went from a player that wasn't like when he burst on the scene in 2016, 2017, whatever it was, as a 15 year old to now, he's now 19 and he's um, he's, he's got he needs to play games now. I don't know, maybe like a kind of bridge deal where you call a two year contract and potentially could go out and loan with that benefit. I don't know, and maybe he, he's kind of um, he's worked really hard and he deserved a chance last night. Maybe there's no um, greater meaning than him getting an opportunity, they were probably a bit stretched out wide. Um, it's an interesting one. I think look at his brother as well, Sabiki, like he's the opposite, a player who maybe was under the radar, was down south, worked well, a couple of decent moves. Um, but it's been the spotlight's been on Karamoko Dumbelli for so long that uh, a lot of things have been seen, written about as well. And you, maybe people don't actually know much about the player himself, but he's a very technical player. A lot of Billy, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a kind of Ryan Gold style career and instantly that Ryan Gold left on the back of great performance in Scottish football but there's definitely a bit of unique talent he's got a lot of um, ability great getting his head up but at times he's not, he's not played enough football so I think that'll be an interesting one to watch but I know as far as I understand like, there's always been that feeling that he's a different type to the kind of he's not some he's not a big ego there or he's a really hard working guy he's what to do well it's just been injuries have been curtailed um, his career over the past two years. So I think just for him, whatever comes next, whether it be at Celtic or elsewhere, uh, I think it's all about game time for him. It has to be. Mm-hmm. And Mick, uh, Graham touched on there the, the, the news about Ben Doak. Obviously different from Dembele, he's, he's only 16. But he has, you know, he came on against Rangers last month um, and he's obviously very highly rated at Celtic. I mean, on one hand, you can understand why he's tempted to go to Liverpool if he does end up going there. But it will be a blow to Celtic, won't it? I mean, Undoubtedly, one of the kind of crown jewels of their, their youth academy. It will be, and it's something we're seeing a bit more increasingly in the last few years with the lads going to kind of um, the Bayern Munich and all this kind of stuff. Um, losing some of these like, the top talents before they get a chance to break into the first team, um, which means they don't get the money that would. I mean, look at Kieran Tierney coming in and playing 100 plus games and, and going for 25 million pound. That is what they want from these guys. Um, so it, it would be a blow. It's difficult though. I mean, it's, it's the nature of the beast, especially these English academies now. The likes of Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United, well, Chelsea, who knows what happened to Chelsea from now on, mind you. They hoover up young players from all over the globe. Um, and it's hard for them to turn down. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. Their, their, their families are looked after. They're, t- they're promised the air. Um, and a lot of them end up farmed out on loan across the continent. I mean, I think at one point Chelsea had about 38 players on loan. Um, Man City's another one, they do exactly the same thing. So, I can understand why these kids go for it because if you're if Liverpool come in and you speak to Klopp and all these things and you get a vision of the future at 16, it's hard to turn down. So, I, I can get it. Difficult one to, to swallow if you're, if you're Celtic. It happened at Rangers as well. Um, well obviously, with, with um, Billy Gilmore and Nathan Patterson, it's, it, you don't want to lose these top talents too early. You want to maximize them, you want to get my 50, 100 games in their belt and then sell them. Unfortunately, it's a dog-eat-dog world and you can't do that. Just the way it goes. Um, Celtic will do the same to other clubs in Scotland and beyond, so it, it's it's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, for them. Um, 
Dembele, I think, is slightly different now. He's 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 now beyond that stage. He's no longer he can no longer be classed as a as a prospect really at nineteen. I mean, he's he's too late for the kind of English academy system really. Is he going to get a move to the Premier League in England at this point in time? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think if he'd said that 15, 16, there was plenty of people watching him and a lot of interest at that stage, like like Doak, then yes. Now, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if they do get a bid from England, it's, it's interesting. Um, but you would think he'd be better served now to sign a new contract at Celtic and try and establish himself as a first-team player mm-hmm. at Celtic. Even for a season. I mean, he's got to come back in the summer. This year's been right off for him, unfortunately, through injury. He's got to, if, I'm, if I'm him, I'm thinking away for the summer, Bust a gut through the summer and come back to pre-season looking sharp and ready to be a first-team player at Celtic. Um, he's at that age now. He's, he's, a, he's not that much younger than, than Lula Bada at Celtic, who's who's had a major impact in a foreign country uh, and coming over here. Um, so it's Matt, Matt, Matt O'Reilly, 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a young guy as well who are, are right in there. So he's got to be thinking, now it's time to be a first-team player somewhere. Um and the level he wants to get to, is he going to achieve that by going to a championship team in England, uh, where we know that division is pretty cutthroat. Um, he's not the biggest or most physical of players. He's a ball player, um, who, who probably most suited to play at a higher level. Actually, um, it reminds me a bit like a kind of Jeremy Frimpong, that if he went to the championship in England, it might get gobbled up. Mm-hmm. But now, now he's getting linked with, Bar- with Barcelona and Bayern Munich and all these teams. Um, so that's the kind of example he should be following, I think. Um, kick on at Celtic, have a good season next year, and then see where he goes. Um, and he might be one that makes Celtic a bit of money at some point in the line. But it's, it's crazy at a crossroads this summer. Because um, we've been waiting for him for a while to be the next big thing. Um, we've been writing about him since he was 13 years old and the, the tug of love between Scotland and England and all that stuff. Um, so it, it's it's going to be an interesting few months for him. But I mean, if I was him, I'd be thinking about staying, sitting tight and, and becoming a first-team player at Celtic. Graham, the, the one kind of cautionary tale that, that kind of comes up when you see news like uh, the Ben Doak stuff yesterday and, and even Dembele with his contract running out is obviously Islam Farouj. He, he was, uh, I think, trending on Twitter yesterday. And yeah. I, I think it just kind of, you just kind of hope that these young guys have got people around them that are advising them correctly and kind of, Steering them down the right path. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think Farouz was a pretty unique case at the time as well. I think the Tommy Burns element and uh, a Celtic legend, and the king, I think his involvement in helping that young guy and trying to forge a career as well. I think you don't want to use the word resentment when he made that move to Chelsea at the time. There's maybe a feeling that could have maybe stuck around at Celtic. I think Dokes an interesting one as well. Like you've got these huge academies, and I think Jamie Carragher. Um, was impassioned about Chelsea and this idea of like moving and up the best players for other places. I think it's maybe quite like you say a cautionary tale right now, young players going away. But I think by all accounts, the one thing that pressed me just Doke in the on his own merit when he's the, the couple of fleeting first team appearances came off the bench against Rangers Dundee United. He looks he's not the tallest either, but he's physically there's something there like you can tell that he's ready. And he be fair to Liverpool in their defence like. They've not been shy. If a player's of quality and they believe they can make the breakthrough, they get the chance. Like um, Curtis Jones playing a lot, Trent Alexander Arnold, Harvey Elliott, uh, countless others as well. There's a lot of guys have used that um, Carabao Cup in the last couple of years to really get themselves close to the first team. It's not guaranteed. A lot of players, uh, Tony Gallagher was a player highly rated when he was at Falkirk, didn't quite work out when he went down to Liverpool. It's not, it's not guaranteed. It's such a 
competitive environment. But I think Doak, in his defence, um, has potentially the kind of X factor that maybe go down and do well there. But at the same time, it is a risk. But I think it might make the point of Jordan Klopp selling you a dream and you're getting shown about. You might as well, and be a young kid as well. You need to think at 16, his version of Liverpool, not that Liverpool 15 years ago weren't a club to admire, but this, this team, this version of Liverpool he's watched, it's been under Klopp and Oh. Uh, they've won a Premier League, a Champions League. They're one of the best teams in the world. They could win another Premier League and Champions League this season. So that opportunity, when you're 16 as well, might be too too much to turn down. You can understand why Celtic fans rightly want their best players to stay at the club and academy and Rick made the point as well. But Celtic want the players to play the games and then that's when they move on, of course. Um, but I, I think Doak in his defence might have something a bit extra about him as well. And I think he could go down and do well. But again, a few things will need to go his way for that to happen. I think it's only right, guys, that we we finish this week's podcast by by looking ahead because obviously the, the one over Dundee United in the quarterfinals has set up a a mouth watering uh, semi final against Rangers um, at Hamden, and obviously I think it will be um, twice in two weeks, and I think three times in a month that they'll square off against each other. From a Celtic point of view, Mick, would would you have rather a final against Rangers or semi final? Uh, I don't think it really matters. I think I think there's like an inevitability that that they'd have to face each other at some point to 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 find out who gets all the marbles. I think that's the way it's been heading um, in recent months. That it was going to be obviously leagues a kind of shootout between the two of them. It just just looks like the the two of them are so strong compared to the rest of the game in Scotland right now. There was a I say that it was almost inevitable they're going to meet at some point, either semi final or final. No fan final. Would have, been, would have been fun in games, but a semi-final is going to be interesting as well. Um, it does set up this this kind of epic April, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, we could have we could have the, the league game at Ibrox on the third, the cup game on the, on the 17th, and it's probably going to be maybe a couple of weeks because I, I can't imagine the authorities will have the, the final league game between the two late on after the split. You'd think it'd be early, as it tends to be. So it could be the first or second game after the split. So we could have three, three big derby matches within about what three or four weeks? Uh, <laughs> pants on the heads and pencils up the nose. Time it's going to be absolutely mayhem because I mean it's, there's all all this at stake. I mean Celtic are now talking trebles. Rangers could do a, a double. And they're still in Europe. Um, it could be it could be a, a triumph or disaster job for either or a mixture of both. It's 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 just set up for an absolutely epic end of the season now. Um, Rangers are hit form again. Celtic have come back, had a wee bit of a dip in form, and they're they're back in business. It's all guns blazing for for this for this this next month. Mm-hmm. Um, international break. This is going to be kind of things down a wee bit, but after that, it's going to be full hell for leather. Um, it's going to be mayhem. There's going to be conspiracy theories, referees <laughs> copping it. There's going to be VAR going the shouting balling again. It's going to be absolutely chaotic. Um, bring it on. It's going to be great fun. We wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, it's um, Graham, the obviously Celtic uh, when they last played Rangers six weeks ago, they looked head and shoulders above them. You know, by far the better team. I definitely think when they meet on April the third at Ibrox, it's going to be a totally different game. I feel like Rangers, having watched them Europa League recently in particular, they've really had form under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, and he kind of he looks like he's really settled in now. And I, I think it'll be a tough game for Celtic. Definitely, might as well. Celtic going to Ibrox, out with hearing the, like the Rodgers kind of first couple of years, 
leaders were still definitely find their feet as well. You can it was mismatches, but most it's a very competitive game almost. But that's that's the rule, that's the general rule. Uh, what Rangers have got this ability to um, especially in Europa League, they've got a real physicality as well as the way they play fast and counter attack and so forth. Great set pieces. Celtic still probably is the one weakness that they need to get better in both boxes. I think I think that's been enough. the one kind of real criticism that Celtic probably give up soft goals at one end defensively. And then they're not the best. Maybe it's a lost start a free kick take. It seems a lot of technical players, but set pieces. Um, I know Juranovic said the penalty spot's excellent, but I think Riley's corners have been pretty decent. Uh, I know Celtic fans probably this is a long-standing issue. Maybe Christie's set pieces at times last season one ideal and. I think Celtic, that's something they can improve on as well. I think Rangers will, there's no way Celtic may want to go Rangers off the park at Ibrooks. I just don't see it going that way. But the narrative, that's the thing as well. Mick made a good point about um, how it's going on and all these, like, talking about conspiracy theories and so forth. But just the narrative for the game, you know what I mean? Like, how, however the first game goes will trigger how the second goes. Rangers likely will have uh, quarterfinals of the Europa League to deal with as well. So Rangers will win this absolute... Celtic and Seville 2003 mode or Rangers Manchester like non-stop mammoth games uh, weekend and then midweek so it depends it's got to be how it feels a bit better how the results played out injuries at the time but generally like, all three games will be compelling and if they are let me the point if it is match day one after the split that would be like April 24 you'd be three Sundays out of four Celtic Rangers playing against each other but it just um, bonkers and each week leads into the next and obviously we've mentioned the Europa League for Rangers that there'll be so many elements to it that will kind of decide it but I think Celtic as I touched upon earlier on with the fact I don't think they've free phones certainly been best in the last two games but they've been very very effective and I think that's important I think they need to have a certain ruggedness when they go to Ibrooks that's a game potentially for the title because even if they win till now until the split Celtic were able to exit Ibrooks with at least a three point differential or or better, then I think they're in a major advantage um, going, going in after the split. But we can see it's, it's got to be absolutely uh, compelling. As Mick makes a point, it's one of these uh, ready, um, time to belt up because there's got to be all manner of talk. I think it's uh, what everyone loves. You know, and that's the games people want to watch and talk about. So, compelling viewing. One thing's for sure, it certainly will not be boring. Um, Guys, I think that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Record Celtic podcast. I should say for everyone listening that you can join in the debate uh, at uh, record underscore sport on Twitter and at daily record underscore sport on Instagram and we're on Facebook as well. Uh, Graham Mick, it's it's always a pleasure. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. Brilliant. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.